I have greatly missed that, being here worshiping with you guys, that song that we just sang. I want you to keep that, the message of that song, in your head and in your heart for the next few moments, because part of what we do is going to kind of be about that. Um, that should be our default. Our default should be wanting to be in His presence and seeing how amazing. So we will get to that in a moment. Um, if you have your worship folder, inside there's an outline that you can follow along with. Um, I would like to thank, by the way, I'm Tim, and it seems like I've been six months since I've been here. It's been two weeks. Um, I want to thank Ryan. He, I think he's at the men's retreat, but I want to thank Ryan. I heard he just did a great job. Um, I listened to it, but listening to it and seeing it is not the same thing, but I just heard it was good. Um, Julie and I, for those who, who don't know, uh, we got to have a little getaway. What we did is we, we saved our money for a year and a half for a 10-day getaway. It's like 10 days. Yes. Here's what I've learned. If you know this, great. If you don't know this, now's the time to learn it. Whether you're young, old, somewhere in between, this has been life-changing for me. The Bible talks about, this has nothing to do with the message. It's just free. The Bible talks about Sabbath, and it talks about having that, that time of rest. We're going to talk about rest today. Um, what I learned is, first of all, um, you need to work. Working is a good thing. We need to work. But what the Bible says is work, 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 rest. That's how it works. Too many people go, rest, 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 work. <laughs> a little bit of work. That's not how it's supposed to work. But here's what I've learned. Uh, for me... Here's how it works, and I have to say things in a way that I remember them. So here's what I do. I divert daily. That means no matter how busy I am, no matter how much I have to do, I have to have a time each day when I divert from what I'm doing. And I might, I might do, some, I do something totally unrelated. Sometimes it's, it's like really spiritual, and I spend time with God, which I do every morning. But during the day, sometimes it means just I get out and go for a walk, or I do something different. I divert daily because I, I've been working, working, working. I need that time to rest. So I divert daily, and then I withdraw weekly. And for many people, they say, yes, that's my Sunday. And it's like, that's not my Sunday. I'm a little busier on Sunday. But I have another day that I do that so that I can withdraw weekly. And there was a time in my life when I felt guilty diverting daily or withdrawing weekly. And I have learned that had I learned this earlier on, I would be way better off right now because that's how God wired us. So I divert daily, I withdraw weekly, I step back seasonally. That means I literally step back and I take a look at what I've done, what I'm doing, where I'm going, what God wants me to do, and I reevaluate everything. And then I abandon annually. And abandon is just what it sounds like. I get away. And so that's what Julie and I did. We got away. For 10 days, we got away. It was great. I'm coming back. We are refreshed. We are ready to go. We're on our way back from the airport when I got the call from my brother to say my father passed away. Oh, and it's like oh, can I just get home <laughs> before everything starts again? And so we talked about it, we prayed about it. That was um, Friday. And so we talked about it, prayed about it. Julie has this ladies' retreat coming up. She's got a lot of stuff she has to handle here. And I said, you know what? I'm just, I'm heading out tomorrow. And I head out tomorrow, uh, that Saturday, and it's an 800-mile trip and went to Ohio. Miracle of the whole thing is that I drove, drove straight through, in my minivan 
that now has over 326,000 miles on it. And funny thing, again, nothing to do with anything. I told Julie, I got to make it home, but something's wrong with it. You know, when something goes wrong, it goes ding, ding, ding. It reminds you of something. So, so I look at my, my dash, and it looks like a Christmas tree, but I know what every light is on for, and I, it's not an issue. But I can't figure out what this dinging is, and it stopped. And so I'm driving and listening to my book, and all of a sudden, I hear it again. I was like, I'm going to count them, because I can look it up online and see it dinged, you know, nine times. Here's what that means. So ding, ding, ding. I can't, I, I, I turn my book off in case it's on my book that I'm listening to, and I'm leaning forward, ding, ding, ding. What is that? I forgot to turn my turn signal off. <laughs> and it was reminding me that your turn signal's on. So anyhow, anyhow, um, when I left, Julie said, what's that? And I did this, put, what, put it behind back, nothing. Said, what, what do you mean nothing? I said, it's nothing. She says, what is that? I said, it's the title. The title of what? The title of the minivan. What do you need a title for? It's like if something goes wrong and I go to some place and they say it's going to cost this much to fix, <laughs> here's the title. <laughs> We're done. So anyhow, has nothing to do with anything. I just, I am very glad to be back, excited to be back here. So um, we are in our final week of this series, five-week series, um, hashtag struggles JNC. And I want to talk to you today about uh, Julie and I got to get away to rest. I want to talk to you today about how do we find rest, but rest for our souls. That's what we're going to look at. Um, so many of us can be tethered to these devices. We can be focused on that. And when that happens, how do we find rest for our souls? And I cannot think of a more appropriate way to start this very important message, seriously, most important one, than with some lines from an all-time classic movie. We do a lot of, you know, very profound classic things here. So I want a line from an all-time classic movie. How many of you have seen Napoleon Dynamite? Can I see your hands? You don't need to know this movie to realize that what I'm about to do is stupid, but it's okay. You'll get it. This is when Kip, at the end of the movie, it's my favorite clip from the whole movie, sings to La Fonda at the wedding. His soulmate, I want you to just watch. You won't be able to understand it, so there's, there's uh, you, uh, closed caption, you can see it. Why do you love me? Why do you need me? Always and forever. We met in a chat room Now our love can fully bloom Sure, the world wide web is great But you, you make me salivate Yes, I love technology But not as much as you, you see But I still love technology Always and forever our love is like a flock of doves Flying up to heaven above Always and forever Always and forever Yes, our love is truly great Always and forever Why do you need me? Why do you love me?
And if you want to know why the horse is whinnying and things are going, you have to watch it. So I'm not making any claims as to if that movie's good or not. Um, I'm just speaking in the dark now. No. <laughs> and many of you are thinking, well, it's appropriate because after playing that clip, you seem to be in the dark, Tim. Here's the thing. I still love technology always and forever. I walked through Walmart yesterday and I discovered I was actually humming that tune. And I'm wondering how many people were wondering, what is he doing? I have this, have always had this love-hate relationship with technology. I love all the good that it can do. I love that I can pick up my phone and have hundreds of my books, my study books on my phone and study on my phone. I can, I can read every morning. I can read my Bible on my phone. I can do so many amazing things on my phone. But I hate that to some degree it can sometimes own me. And there can be issues with that. Kerry Newhoff is a Canadian pastor and he said it like this. Like money... Social media is a great servant, but a horrible master. We can use it, but it can be bad when it takes over. In 1 Corinthians 6.12, let me just give you the context of this. Paul is talking to the Corinthians, the church at Corinth, and they were into all kinds of bad things, all kinds of perverted and sinful actions, and He was explaining to them that some things are good, some things aren't good, but there are some things that are sin. But in Christ, we do have freedom from those things that might not be sin. There are certain things that we can do, but just because we can do them doesn't mean that we should do them. Here's what he says in verse 12. I have the right to do anything. He's not talking about sin. The context is he's not saying you can sin, but in things that aren't necessarily sin, he says, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be, and what are those last three words? Mastered by anything. You see, we can do some things that maybe we shouldn't. We can do things, but we can't be mastered by anything. The power of Jesus should be bigger than anything else in my life. I should not, we should not be mastered by anything. Social media, it's a huge issue for some people. Maybe, maybe many of you in here, it's an issue. For some of you, it's not really a big deal. Or you don't think it's a big deal. Because social media is not necessarily bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's like, for instance, money. Money isn't bad. Someone says, oh, but money's the root of all evil. No, it's not. Jesus said the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not bad unless it masters you. And then it's bad. Food. Food is good. (laughs) Unless it masters you. Unless it controls you. And then it's not good. Television. Television is not bad. Intrinsically, it's not like it's evil but it can master you and bad things can happen because of it. So the principle today, it really applies in many different areas. So nobody here is excused from listening and getting this. I'm just going to pick on social media because it's currently like exploding in popularity and many of you, even if you deny it, you suffer from it a little bit. In fact, the doctors, they they have literally come up with a new name 
for something, and this is, I'm not kidding, this is a real thing. It's called nomophobia. And when you look at it up there, you can kind of figure out what it means. It's no mobile phone phobia. (laughs) That's literally what it means. It's a fear of being away from your phone. Here's what's shocking. 66%, two-thirds of all adults suffer from it. In the 18 to 24-year-old category, it's over three-quarters. 77% of them suffer from it. Here's some statistics just so that you can see this is a big deal. 58% of people, this is American culture, but it's it's worldwide in many places. 58% of people don't go one waking hour without checking their phone. 59% check email as it comes in and get this, 89% of people check email daily on vacation. Julie and I had a 10-day break more than half of those days, we were offline. Sometimes by choice, sometimes because we had no signal. But if you tried to get hold of me, I wasn't ignoring you. I, kind of, I, I was. <laughs> but I was, I was also offline. But I, I can't tell you how many people I saw who were paying big bucks to be able to have internet wherever they were at so they could continue to do their things. And it's like, you're on vacation. of teenagers sleep with their phones. Some of you are thinking, oh, I do that too. (laughs) 84% of people believe they could not go one day without their phone. Here's the funny thing. Yesterday, I'm, I'm going over this and tweaking it and making sure everything is what it should be in this message, and I'm literally at this point on this page in the message. 84% of people believe they couldn't go one day without their phones. I had to go help my son move a dresser. His wife is pregnant, and she's not the one should be moving the dresser with him, so I go there to move the dresser. So close my office, walk out the door, get in the car. I get two blocks away and realize I don't have my phone. I left it on my desk, so what do I do? I turn around, I come back, I get my, I, to get my phone, as I'm walking in, I'm realizing 84% of people <laughs> believe they couldn't go one day without their phone. It's like, well, I guess this message is in part for me as well. Um, I'm going to ask you to be really honest. We're in church, so no lying, all right? How many many of you check your phone the last thing you do before you go to bed? See your hands? Okay, most. Um, I won't, don't raise your hands on this. How many of you check it first thing in the morning? First thing when you get up in the morning. See, I'm not going to get into things like, (laughs) please don't raise your hand. Posting from the pot. You just, I I know. If your legs are falling asleep when you're going to the bathroom, hang your phone up, okay? You've been in there too long. And then there's important things like texting, driving, and all that stuff. You know, we, we do that even though we know how dangerous it is. People do that because they just can't not do it. That's what an issue it is that we would be willing to put lives at risk in order to check a text message. We have the inability to shut down inside. It's like when, when people are on their phones that much, your brain is always running. It's like the RPMs are way up here and it's not designed to stay up here all the time. But you're always going, you're always going. You see, everybody, I would say almost everybody in our world today would acknowledge our bodies need rest. If you don't do it, they'll do it for you. 
Our bodies need rest. I'm going to argue today that our souls need rest, not just our bodies. That our souls need to be disconnected from the ding, 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 so that we're always looking at, oh, somebody might have posted a picture of their breakfast. I can't miss that, you know? We need to be disconnected long enough to find peace, to find some solitude in the presence of a God who created us to know Him, to walk daily with Him, to be in an intimate, thriving relationship with Him, and representing His love in the world rather than being wrapped up all the time with a device. Now, please hear me. I love technology. Always and <laughs> forever. That's, that's obvious to people who know me. We, we need to use it, but we need to use it to do good. And at Journey North Church, that's one of our things. We try to use it in every way we can to do a lot of good, but I also refuse to be mastered by anything because Christ in me is bigger than any addiction in me. Christ in you is bigger than any addiction in you. And we need to say, we will not be mastered. So if you find yourself constantly connected and constantly that low-grade anxiety or frustration, you need to realize there's got to be something more. There has got to be something more than that. Here's what we're going to say today. God has a special rest in Christ that we don't have to, we can get off that treadmill that we can pause that we can have the rest that we need here's what it says in Hebrews 4 I love this passage Hebrews 4 starting in verse 9 so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God for all who have entered into God's rest doesn't that sound good just entering into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let's do our best to enter that rest. That's what he has for us. That's what he wants for us. Why is it that we don't seem to find that rest? Why are we still longing for it on a regular basis? Um, Augustine, centuries ago, said this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our soul is restless until it finds its rest in you. That's huge. Some of you, this captures exactly where you are. Your soul has been restless for so long. Your soul has been restless and you've been looking for something that brings satisfaction. Something that brings meaning. Something that helps your relationships work better. Something that fills that void inside that makes you feel significant, that makes you feel purposeful in life. The truth is, you have a Jesus-shaped void in your life. We all do. And nothing but Jesus will fill that void. People try everything else, but our soul is restless until it finds its rest in Him. That's the key. I love the words of Jesus. This verse, it just, it stirs this longing in my heart for him. I love this passage in Matthew 11. It says this, Jesus says, come to me, come to me, all you, are, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will what? I will give you rest. 
He's waiting there with arms open wide to give us rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. See, you have a yoke on you. You have this burden on you, but it's not his. And it's hard and it's stressful and it causes anxiety and it keeps your brain going a million miles an hour. And he says, you know what? Come to me. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Because Jesus says, I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest, not just for your bodies. He says, you will find rest for your souls. See, that's what we're really looking for and longing for. There is a special rest for God's people, and it's through Jesus. So what do we do? We're at the end of a five-part series, and for me, this message is where the rubber meets the road. Everything kind of comes together right here. This is where um, your application is. We had a little of that each week, but this is where it all comes together, and Here's the thing. You either do what God is leading you to do or you go on with your life just as it has been and you don't make any changes. That's where we're at right now. So how do we find rest? If we're looking for that, how do we find rest? I want to give you two thoughts today. That's it. Two thoughts, very practical, and they can be very life-changing. The first is really simple least to say, not always to do. Are you ready? I'm going to encourage you to learn the discipline of being still. So number one is be still. Learn to be still. Learn to be disconnected and still in the presence of God. In Psalm 46.10, it says this, be still. Cease striving means let it go. Be still and know that I am God. Because we can't know that He's God, we can't know Him like we should until we first learn to be still. How many of you have ever been around a small child who can't be still? You're married to a big kid who can't be still. No, no, don't raise your hand on that. How many times do we see that, and maybe it's not our responsibility, but everything in us wants to, to say, sit down, be still, quit jumping around. You know what? We need to say that to our souls. We need to say, sit down and be still. You know who did that? David. King David did that in Psalm 131, in many places, but in Psalm 131, here's what he says. But I have stilled and quieted my soul. Now, notice who did that. He did. This was not like some accident, you know, all of a sudden I'm still and everything's good. He doesn't say that. He said, I have stilled and quieted my soul. And then then it's, it's, it's not weird, it's just different because of the way they, they, did, they talked back then. He says, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child. Now, I could go into that and talk about that, but I would screw it up, <laughs> and you would laugh if I tried to explain what that is. He, here's, here's how we need to picture it. It's a kid who he's satisfied, and he's just resting in his mother's arms. He's, he's quiet. He doesn't need anything. He's just there. And he says, like that, like a weaned child with his mother just resting in her arms, he said, that's what my soul is like within me. 
That's what we need to be able to do. Now, you know that it's harder than it sounds to be still. Because the second we say, I'm going to be still, ding, 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 oh, I'm going to miss something. And so I put it on silent, and then it vibrates. It's like, oh, what am I missing? Or all kinds of thoughts come up. The second we say, I'm going to be still, because what comes into our mind, that, oh, I forgot to pay that bill. Or I got this project, and it's really nice now. I need to do that right now. You know, or I've got dinner to make or diaper to change or whatever, you know, or something really important like somebody posted something on social media and I have to see what that is right now because it won't wait. I don't have time to be still. That's what our brain says. The truth is you don't have time not to be still. Some of you are freaking out right now just because I paused for 10 seconds. (laughs) Come on. Here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I want you to try this week. In fact, starting today, I want you to start small, five minutes, five minutes starting today, not right now, okay, later, (laughs) where you just stop. You got no phone, you got no TV, you got no nothing, you just stop and, and be still. Sometimes to get away with God... We have to shut out the distractions. When I was back in Ohio um, with my brother, um, because I went there because my father passed away, um, one of the people who is the most influential person in my life, one of the top three people in my life, is my grandma. And I remember my grandma passing away. I remember her you know, funeral and stuff, but my mind is foggy. So I got to go to the cemetery, and there was something about standing there and seeing that. I hadn't seen it since 1984 when she passed away. And all I could think of was, I cannot wait to get to heaven and talk to her and tell her what's been going on, but I can't wait to find out what's happened for the last 30-some years. For her, that would be just very cool. But what, one of the things I remember about my grandma is we drove by her place, this 10-story place in Lorraine, Ohio. And, and I remember a million times going, I was always the one who went up there and transcribed things for her. She wrote a lot of songs and poetry and stuff, but she taught herself English and not very well. Although, actually, had she been on Facebook, she'd do better than most people on Facebook. (laughs) That's a whole other thing. Um, But I remember numerous times going there, and and she had, it was literally just like one room, but it was like kitchen, little living room, little bedroom with a curtain, just kind of a small kind of thing there. But I remember going, and it's like, she's not there. It's like, okay, she shouldn't be anywhere else. This would not be good. And I'm looking all over for her, calling for her and everything. You know where she was? in the closet with her head covered with a dishcloth or an apron or something, spending time with God because she had to shut everything out. And that, that taught me a lot. It's hard for us to just pause. So I'm going to say for five minutes, just this starting today sometime, just stop. Get away however you need to get away and still your soul and have the discipline not to be mastered by something else all the time and not to by default take you know the social media and see what's going on in somebody else's life, but have the discipline by the power of Jesus to reflect on the goodness of God, like we sang about in that final song. Simply to be still, to know that He's God, and just let it breathe.
the gift of solitude, the gift of solace and peace. To just say to God, God, you can probably run the universe without me for five minutes. I'm just going to chill. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to enjoy your presence. I'm not going to ask you for anything. I'm not going to worry about a thing. I'm just going to be still. Thank you for who you are. Five minutes. Be still and know who he is. Be still and embrace his goodness. Be still and enjoy the beauty of a moment with the God who created you to love him and be loved by him. To just be still before God. Who, who will try that with me this week? Just five, starting five minutes. That's the first thing. Be still. Here's the second thing to do. Very important. Make a plan. I can't tell you how many times people will tell me, well, that was a good message, Pastor. And I want to say, are you going to do it? They don't have a plan. If you don't have a plan, if you don't plan to do something, you'll do nothing. So we need to make a plan. Proverbs, I love the the Living Bible. Today's Living Bible says it like this um, in Proverbs 13. A wise man thinks ahead. You're making a plan? A wise man thinks ahead. A fool doesn't and even brags about it. So we don't want to be that fool who doesn't make a plan. Because if you decide to do nothing, you've just decided not to make a plan and that puts you in a category you might not want to be in. You want to be wise? We need to think ahead and make a plan because why? I will not be mastered by anything. So I have to make a plan for that. And what you need to do is you need to have, like any sports team, if you want to win, you've got to have a good defense and you've got to have a good offense. I have both defensive and offensive studying. I, my offensive study is getting ready to speak on Sunday. My defensive study is because I know there's a world and an enemy, a world, a flesh, and a devil that's trying to take me down, and I have to have a good defense. And so I have to study for those things. But we have to have a defensive plan and an offensive plan, and I have space in your outline there. You can even write things that come to mind. I don't know what this might be for you because I don't know where you're at, and I don't know what things are, are coming close to mastering you. I don't know what things you're struggling with. I don't know what things you know that, yeah, this is probably okay for me to do, but I shouldn't. I don't know what that is for you, but maybe it is this whole social media thing, and maybe the defensive part is you just say, you know what, when I'm, when I'm having a meal with family, there's no phones. We put our phones away for that time because the world will continue on for 45 minutes if you don't have your phone on during a meal. Maybe in your small group, in your journey group, you just say, you know what, no phones. We put them all away. No phones. Maybe, maybe it's this, you know, after 10 o'clock, you just, the, the phones have a thing called do not disturb. And if it's after 10 or before 7, sorry, it's not going to come through because I'm putting it on do not disturb. I think Ryan, I told you about this, and Ryan said something about it one of the two weeks. Um, I don't remember which one, but uh, uh, screen time. You can look at screen time and it can tell you how long you've been on certain things. And you say, I was only on Facebook five minutes. And you look, it's like four hours. It tells you that. So maybe you need to have that as a defensive plan. Maybe like we did, you go on vacation and there's a certain amount of time you say, no phones on vacation. We're on a road trip, but we're putting it on airplane mode. (laughs) 
because we're not going to be disturbed. Maybe for some of you, you know that it's an issue and you just need to take a break. Here's what I would suggest. If you're going to take a break, I'm going to take a month-long break from social media. You know what you should do to announce that? Nothing. I see this all the time on Facebook. I'm going to take a break from social media for a month because I'm so freaking amazing. And the next 50 comments are all about this while this person who's going to be taking a break is responding to all the comments. Thank you, thank you. How about this? Take a break. Just stop and see what happens. Those are defensive things that you can do so that you won't be mastered. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying don't be mastered by it. For an offensive thing, I'm also not saying technology is bad because I love technology always and forever. Every morning, I get this out. First thing, second thing. First thing is I go to the bathroom, God understands. (laughs) Then I sit down and I get this out, but I have made a covenant with God that I will not get up and check my email. I will not go on social media. I will not do anything until I have spent time with Him. And I get this out, and I could open my paper Bible. There's, that's very spiritual too. It's not more spiritual than this. You want to be really spiritual, get your scroll out, because that's what they use back there. Otherwise, quit bragging about what Bible you're using. It's God's Word. And I, and I will not look at anything else until I have spent time in His Word. So there's a positive use for it. You do your daily Bible reading on it. You can use the Bible app or whatever you happen to use. Um, Another offensive thing I just mentioned a few minutes ago, five minutes a day of solitude where you're you're not having all of this input. You're not thinking about all these things. Some of you, you just need a consistent prayer time. You need to say, I'm going to set aside time to do this because the Bible says pray about everything. We pray for all things, it says. Don't worry about anything, but all things through prayer. So that's the key. So maybe you need to have a more consistent prayer time. Maybe for some of you, because of your work or because of what you do, maybe you just need to get outside. You know, I was going to say, look at the sun. In Minnesota, that's hard. You got to time it just right. But here, here's a test for whether or not you're going to be good at this. Go outside when you know it's sunset time and there's a beautiful sunset. Don't take a picture and don't post anything on Instagram. Just look at the sunset. Appreciate what God has done. That's an offensive part of your plan to get you away from the things a little bit. Let's, this is week number five. Let's just review very quickly. Week number one, comparing The more we compare, the more discontent we become. That's how it works. Some of you, it's time to distance yourself from comparing. So you can find out that when Christ is all you have, He is all you need. Week two, we talked about relationships. So many of us, our relationships are thumb to thumb. That's all they are. We're contacting people this way, and and we do that because we don't want to miss out on anything. And that's not bad to connect with people like that, but when that's the only way, sometimes what we're missing out on is we're missing out on the very people who love us the most, who are right in front of us. We saw it on our break continuously, a group of five people all connecting with someone who wasn't there. And all five of them not even looking at each other. 
it's time for an offensive plan and a defensive plan there. Week three, the more filtered, Ryan talked about, the more filtered our lives become, the more filtered we are, the more difficult it is to be authentic. But only Christ can remove that veil. Through the power of Christ, we can remove that veil and be authentic. Week four, the more pain we see tragically, the less we seem to care. The news, the news media is responsible for a lot of that. You understand the primary goal of news media has nothing to do with giving you news. It has to do with selling ads, making money. Now, as a byproduct of that, we get our news. And sometimes, well, always, we get it in a panic, sensational way to sell ads. A cat ran across the street and every media picks it up and talks about it for two weeks. And sometimes we need to step back and realize, that's a little ridiculous what they're doing there. Now, I'm not saying don't listen to the news. I'm not saying don't get news. I'm saying what we do is we, come desen- we become desensitized because we see these things that are some are incredible tragedies. Like, for instance, most of you in here would know the statistics on how many people right now in America have coronavirus. How many of you know how many people were killed yesterday because they were Christians? More people have been killed in the last week because they were Christians than have coronavirus. But you didn't know that because we don't get the whole picture. And so what we need to do is realize we become desensitized and our compassion starts to drop away. Compassion demands action. To say you care and not to act is is to not care. It says they'll know we're disciples of Jesus. They'll know whose followers we are by how much love we show. So we need an offensive plan and a defensive plan to say, I'm going to make a difference in this world for the glory of God. And then week five, for some people, it's like we're in high gear and RPMs are just going all the time. And they just won't shut down. See, for too many people, the default in our life, whether it's a phone or whether it's just any substitute for the real thing, and that's Jesus. The default in our life is too often to go to something else. Got nothing to do at the moment. What I'm going to do, I'm going to pull my phone up and I'm going to look at what John's eating. And that's what we do. You were created for way more than that. Life is way more than that. So you can use it, but you can't be mastered by it. So here it is, closing verse. This is what wraps it all up. From Jeremiah 6, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Now, some of you listening to this right now, you're at the crossroads right now. And you know it. You have a decision to make. This is where your application comes. This is where you either do what God's leading you to do or you go on with your life just as it's been and you don't make any changes. He says, stand at the crossroads and look. And I like this. Ask for the ancient paths. What if, what if there were some ancient disciplines that are higher than the new technologies? 
What if there were some things that had been around for a long time that will do more for your soul than the new technologies? Things like praying and fasting, solitude, meditation, seeking the goodness and the presence of God. He says, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And then you will find rest for your souls. So he's not saying don't use technology. We are going to use technology in every way we can here to reach people for Jesus. And you can use technology in your life, but don't let it use you. Don't be mastered by it. Be still and know that there is one who loves you and is more deserving of your worship than anything else on earth. Put him first. Seek him with all your heart and then it says he'll add everything to you that really matters. Be still and know that he's God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Close your eyes. In just a moment we're going to pray. But we know that so many people are mastered by something. It may be technology or social media. It can be a thousand other things. But so many people are mastered by something. So God, I would ask that for those who are followers of you, who know you, who have that relationship with you, that you would speak to us today, that you would give us a practical plan, an offensive plan, a defensive plan, things that we can put into practice so that even though there are things that we can do and we do them, we won't be mastered by them. And I know, Father, that there are some people here They're listening to this right now and their soul is not at rest. They have been and are right now literally trying everything to find that rest, to fill that void in their life. They feel overwhelmed. They can feel guilty. They can feel not good enough. If that's you today, Jesus' words to you are, come to me. Right now, exactly as you are, he's not asking you to get cleaned up first or change first. He says, come to me exactly as you are. And when you call on Jesus, who was without sin, who died for our sins, he will forgive every sin you've ever committed. He will give you meaning and purpose in life today. He'll make you brand new. He'll fill you with God's Spirit and you will never be the same. So if you have never come to know that Jesus, then that's what he's asking you today. To in simple faith say, Jesus, I need you. The sin in my life is messing my life up. It's separating me from you and I believe that you came and lived a sinless life and died not for your sin but for mine. And by believing in you and trusting in you and repenting of my sin, I can come into a relationship with you that will change everything. My prayer, Father, is that whatever you're asking us to do today, our answer and response to you would be yes. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. I love the way God works things out because I had no idea what the closing song was. And I'm gonna, we read a verse a little bit ago, and I, I, it's from Matthew 11, and I love it in the message paraphrase, and what it says in here is almost just the words to the song that we just sang, all throughout it. 
Here's what Jesus says. I love this paraphrase. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life and I'll show you how to take a real rest. He says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Jesus says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound good? Make a plan, offensive and defensive. If you don't make a plan, it ain't going to happen. And if you haven't yet come to Jesus, then come to Jesus. Call on Jesus. If you'd like to know more about that, if you'd like someone to pray with you, all you have to do is, is make your way to that room, the room right before the hallway. Go in there. Someone will meet you there to pray with you. If you need to meet Jesus, they can introduce you. If you don't have a Bible, we can get you a Bible. Don't leave without finding him because that's where the real rest is. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that the offer is there for us to come to you and find the real rest to be able to live freely and lightly. Help us to be able to live those kinds of lives so that we can do what we need to do to draw people to you for your glory. Thank you, Father, for um, loving us even in the midst of our craziness. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.